0: You're listening to The Changing Lives Podcast, where we talk with health professionals, industry experts, and everyday heroes, changing lives on the front lines through emergency healthcare. I'm Ben Cleaver, and I'm Tim Buxton. Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Changing Lives Podcast. It's good to have you with us. Yeah, it's so great to have you back with us again. This episode, we talk with SES volunteer and Deputy Rescue Officer, State Emergency Service, Erin Eames. Uh, It's fascinating talking with Erin Eames to find out what the SES does, um, what her role entails, and some of the experiences that she's been in, quite significant, like overwhelming experiences. And just, this is a volunteer effort. Um, These guys are really putting it on the line for our community, and it's just awesome to hear firsthand from her.
1: Yeah, that's right, Ben. As we were listening to her, you could just take and, and feel the immense pride that she had in her work. Um, I guess going into some of the most uh, difficult situations that that our country has faced and uh, and to be there volunteering, offering her own services at people's greatest time of need, very inspiring. You're going to love listening to the stories that she shares,
0: and I think you're going to take a lot out of it. Mm. The cool thing about Erin's story too, and what maybe the listeners can glean, is that she's also uh, doing a d- diploma of paramedical science. Uh, at the moment, she's looking to go into um, paramedicine as a career uh, and widen her career opportunities. Um, and she's finding that uh, the experience with the SES, going, being a part of a emergency rescue efforts, working in a team, putting herself out of her comfort zone as a matter of habit, um, is really preparing her in the workshops and and things like that that are a part of the diploma. Yeah,
1: and I'll I'll just have to echo that, Ben. You One of the things that was uh, really good was to see her up here working as a team in our first workshop that came up here. It was great Mm. to meet her in person. Um, Why don't we go to that interview right now that we've got with Erin, eh? Yeah, let's do it.
2: When it was due with the fires, um, we went out to um, between Exeter and Bundanoon, which is uh, where it skipped from the Karawang fires over um, to create the Morton fires. Um, We were standing in embers and ashes. And to tell you the truth, my eyes were like saucers Um, and we're ready to get out there as soon as we're told to get out. So that uh, because we weren't we're not trained in that that situation, it was very overwhelming. Um, We had zero visibility. So yeah, it was it was scary. Um, but again, just just doing what we could do to to help out at that time. So um, yeah, be absolutely lying if you say you know not terrified sometimes. But the, like the old analogy, um, the duck duck legs underwater, water, they're composed. You know, head on the shoulders there, just um, trying to keep everyone else as calm as possible whilst attending the rescues. But all uh, oh, the other. Uh,
0: Right. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. It's really good to have you on the Changing Lives podcast today. How are you feeling?
2: Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having us.
0: Awesome. Mate, you're looking a bit chilly.
2: Yeah, it's a bit cool. <laughs> yep. Where, it's a bit chilly but, down
0: here. Tell, tell us and, your, and the listeners um, where you are.
2: I'm in um, Bowral, the Windsor Caribbean area in Mossvale, which is uh, located uh, in between Sydney and Canberra. Um, yep, yeah, call it the Southern Highlands.
0: The Southern Highlands.
1: Yeah. The
2: Southern Highlands. I
1: heard you got some uh, famous people live down that way. Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of um, a lot of the rich and famous that like to to move from Sydney or fly in on their little private um helicopters and land out and about.
0: And sure. um, and Sir Don.
2: Yep. Legend. Bra-
0: Bradman. He is a um, he comes from your town, right?
2: He does, yep. Um, the local Oval, Bradman Oval's um, down in Barrel there. Great little little spot. Bit of a privilege if you get a chance to have a game of cricket down there.
1: I don't think I'll be playing cricket right now down there, but, uh, yeah. I, I certainly don't mind getting the uh, the willow out and having a smash. So <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, we're, we're lucky enough, actually, we have um, emergency services um, or triple zero challenges um, every oh, yeah. couple of years. Um, so... Uh, S.E.S. fireys, police, ambulance, um, all get together and yeah, a bit of a bit of a break up for the for the year and um, get a bit of community spirit happening and have a bit of a, a slap on Brad Oval. Definitely that?
0: Awesome,
1: awesome. Well, let us know when that is next time and uh, we might have to make a special trip down.
2: That's yeah, it. that'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, pack our thermals.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah We don't own thermals. I... We live in Queensland, so. Look,
1: well, the only <laughs> time I remember. Being, a, I think, being a kid going down every, I think, grade six class went down to Canberra, went down that way for the, like the, you know, got to see the Parliament House, and oh, I tell you, man, I, I was, the first time I felt such cold, as a young kid, was yeah. down that way. And it's so way.
2: different, so different in summertime as well. It gets to you know forty plus degrees, and you're you're melting. Um, so it's nothing like a bit of diversity.
0: Yeah. Wow, how good's that. The extremes. Well. Um, Thanks for dressing up for us today, Uh, you've got your SES uniform on and we want to get right into your involvement with the State Emergency Service and talk about um, some of the the challenges and rewards of that and your own personal journey into that and uh, also your role as the Deputy Rescue Officer uh, for your unit. but you're also, you've just been on the clinical workshop too. You're studying the Diploma of Paramedical Science with Australian Paramedical College. And um, tell me, what was that like?
2: <laughs> the workshop too? Yes. It was, um, it was really good, really engaging. Um, it was great to be the first group back after the COVID period. Um, we're all trainers and students were all antsy to get back into the classroom. Um, it, was, it was a great week, full-on week, um, but very rewarding as well.
0: Awesome. Um, full on in what way?
2: Full on um, big days. Um, so we we're putting together all the stuff we had learnt in workshop one, plus all of our studies um, up to you know all of the coursework and learning all of our advanced skills. So all the technical advanced skills: um, cannulation, um, manual defibrillation, um, yeah, um, decompression, chest decompression. Um, Running drugs, uh, everything. So it was it was great to have a new skill set put on top of the old skill set, um, and then just challenge throughout the whole week.
0: Wow! And also, I mean, when we were talking about it, you mentioned about, um, and maybe this is something you didn't expect that the the teamwork and the team orientated approach was something that um, kind of took you by surprise a bit.
2: Is that? not so much sort of by surprise but um it was definitely something that's without that teamwork approach and uh trusting your fellow students you wouldn't be able to get through it so um it was great having a really small group of people um half of the class we actually knew each other from workshop one so i think oh, that great. definitely helped yeah um but yeah, it was a really great dynamic. um pushing each other encouraging each other lifting each other up when someone was a little bit emotional which at the end of the day during that whole week someone was down at some stage and just popping people up and um it's such a good feeling
0: yeah well it sounds like it's kind of not every man for himself it's um although no, you're, you're assessed definitely not. obviously in your own um, merits but um it sounds like you you pull each other
2: through which is well that's it so knowledge is power you you, you got to share your your gains and um Really use everyone else's um, experience or uh, knowledge to to get through. So using yeah the um, strengths and weaknesses of yeah. um, your fellow students and um, using them accordingly, but also highlighting the weaknesses and not letting not letting your fellow student fall down on their face if that makes any sense. So really encouraging I found it was.
1: And I, I was actually chatting with one of the trainers over at the college. Uh, Earlier this morning, and and that was one of the things. I mean, we were we kind of highlighted was when you come to workshop, teamwork and the environment of the team is really important because that's kind of what makes it work when you're out on the field, right? You've got to you're not rarely are you by yourself, and you go into a situation, you've got to rely on each other, and you have to kind of have each other's back, and and like you said, kind of um, work as a team. So
2: absolutely, kind
1: of yeah. Not finding yeah. it's good. You get that experience at the workshop too. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: And Aaron, you've got a lot of experience and training through the state emergency service, um, but you obviously um, signed up for the diploma. What is it that you hope to get out of the, the study?
2: Um, well, I wanted to fill the gaps for what I didn't know to what I knew. So I've been um, training first aid for about three years. Um, basic first aid. Um, you could do get thrown a few curveball questions in your classroom. Um, be honest and not, you know, do a bit of a Google search during the lunchtime there. If you don't know something, um, try and try and fill the answers. Mm. But to me, to personally fill those gaps, um, to gain that knowledge, and to even um, to some extent, iron out some of those myths that um, I might have been misinterpreting or presenting to my class in a wrongful manner. So. Uh, confidence for myself, um, a formal qualification at the end of the day uh, but definitely filling in the gaps for the knowledge.
0: And was there a a career or job um, aspiration that you have that the diploma is going to help you
2: with? Um, I'd love to still continue the teaching side of things. If I could step it up to um, into the diploma level uh, that would be great. Um, To get more work in the private sector Um, at the moment I've got about three or four sort of Casual jobs, so I'm uh, shuffling, shuffling my day to day basis. Wow. Don't really know if I'm Mary Jane or Sue half the time. What uniform to put on? Oh my! Um, but I mean, it, it's good. It's it's good to have a bit of diversity, and it all complements each other as well. So, training first aid, having the currency with rescue and SES, working as a medic on the weekend, it all complements each other there. So, moving away from um, previous training in first aid particularly it used to have a lot of textbook teachers um, with zero experience in the field Um, i think that's really important to have currency currency in in what you want to teach and and that passion as well
0: yeah that's awesome as you said you don't need any further skills to be a a first aid trainer but it's awesome that you you want to enrich your learning so you can enrich the people you're teaching yeah.
2: And also out in the field, is um, having that little bit of extra knowledge, um, those advanced, further advanced skills that you would gain in any uh, general first aid or even advanced remote courses um, to really step it up and uh, particularly with SES to to assist in those emergency situations with um, paramedics, IPC paramedics and helicopter paramedics and mm. doctors. Mm. Well, let's talk
1: a bit about that. Like, let's just assume I know nothing, which is probably not far from the (laughs) truth. Let's assume. Um, Assume, let's just assume I know nothing. Um, What is the SES?
2: Okay, so SES is a voluntary service, state emergency service. Um, Primary role is um, storm and tsunami um, recovery. So storm damage, roof leaks, all that sort of stuff. Um, But down here and in a lot of uh, rural areas, we are primary rescue. So instead of um, you, traditionally in the cities, you've got uh, police rescue or fire and rescue doing the rescue procedures. Our our um, town in the Windsor Caribbee here, all rescues are run by our state emergency service. Wow, so uh, we have that extra skill there. set. Yeah. yeah. that Extra
1: scope. Yeah. And how do you find that? You 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 like that? Obviously. Love
2: it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: It's it's a great. Um, great to do all of our training and development, focusing on uh, all different aspects of rescue um, and implementing it um, in, unfortunately, one of the busiest rescue units in New South Wales. So wow. we do unfortunately have a lot of, uh, of jobs. Um, so we do remain quite current and experienced.
1: Oh, wow. And so you're a deputy rescue officer. Can Correct. you tell us a bit about your role in, in the SMS? Okay, So
2: um, our management team, um, controllers, commanders, rescue officers, um, training development officers and all the like, um, each have their separate roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all work very solidly together. Um, myself and our deputy, uh, sorry, our rescue officer, um, his main role is to maintain the currency of our fellow colleagues and team members. Um, scoping out who may be appropriate to come and join us on rescue um encourage uh talk mentor a lot of yeah. mentoring um new candidates and new members to come on board on rescue and um just yeah just generally keeps taking the um the currency yeah. um and engagement of our members uh, sometimes like over the COVID crisis um we haven't been actively training um but we have been attending to jobs so mm-hmm. We are now just starting to incorporate, we've incorporated a lot of Skype training and things like that, um, which is quite difficult, um, running scenarios online and meetings and all that sort of stuff. But we had our first face-to-face on Tuesday. We went right back to basics and stabilisation and glass management. And it was great to see everybody again. And um, we're all rugged up in our beanies and our jumpers and our jackets, moving around like, um, I guess, big oompa-loompas. But um, it it was great to see everybody back into the training role.
1: Oh wow, and what strikes me is this is, you're all, all volunteers, is that right? Yeah,
2: that's right, yep, 100% volunteer time.
1: That's that's incredible, and so obviously it takes a pretty special person uh, to be able to kind of do do what you do, um, and just for the mere rewards of, of what, you, what you're doing, take our hats off to you. That's awesome.
2: Thank you.
0: What sort of commitment does it involve on a weekly, monthly basis?
2: okay so um for our rescue members um we have got an on-call rescue roster um which includes one month uh, sorry one weekend out of every month um from a friday night through to a monday morning um, we'll take a rescue truck home so we can respond from our from our residents um it's probably a bit more bit unique compared to other um uh, the units they they might go straight to the shed and respond from their their shed or their unit or headquarters, Um, yeah, we do it a little bit differently due to the vast area that we do have coverage. So we run um, a heavy rescue vehicle and a medium rigid rescue vehicle, um, both ends of town. And uh, those that don't have a truck um, can gain access to uh, utes and things like that. So it's um, a commitment there that we we do take that on um, for the weekend, the entire weekend. um, And yeah, we're ready to go whenever there's a, a call. Um, other than that, we have training on a Tuesday night. Um, Mustard, well, before COVID, we'd have an active training on a Tuesday night. During COVID, we've had um, Skype meetings, uh, breaking, branching off into the different um, sectors. So your storm crew, our, our guys that are studying pyro, which is participating in a rescue operation, um, upskilling with their trainers online. So thing, basic things like learning knots, they're, they're doing that in a subgroup on a Skype or a team sort hmm. of meeting set up. So, yeah, during the week as well, awesome. we try and um, be available. Yeah.
1: And I um, think it's worth saying last time we tried to schedule this interview, you were actually called in last minute to a job. So you had yeah. to drop everything and, and attend to that, that, yep. that call. And so um, not only have you got the regular committee as you talked about, but, yeah, you're getting you're getting pulled left, yeah. right and centre too. So.
2: That's it, For t- to maintain our rescue capabilities, um, we have to show to the rescue board um, our availability basically. So yeah. we are lucky enough to have a few members that um, might not have day work, um, work in the evening or vice versa. So we've generally got coverage 24 hours a day, seven days a week um, for a couple of trucks there with people trained and skilled to do a diverse range of our uh, rescue.
1: Wow. So, Aaron, like, a um, lot of passion, a lot of commitment. Um, where did it all begin for you? Like, what, what inspired you to get um, on this journey of, of, of SES?
2: Oh, okay. Um, well, as a and as a, as a teenager, I was always um, quite outdoorsy and active. Um, had an opportunity when I was, a, me, a 15 or 16-year-old um, in Western Australia growing up to go out in, a, um, like, a cadet program. Where myself and uh, one of my best mates went out and uh, played with the SES, and we were all the casualties. Um, (laughs) So they, you know, put all the moulage on us, threw us down a well or whatever it was, um, and we were, you know, actively involved as kids um, on this weekend of 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 training, and that that was uh, really quite. Interesting, Don't you love um, how they used
0: to do stuff? Just throw yeah. kids down a well?
2: Yeah, just <laughs> chuck us down That'll be there, right. no problem at all. Yeah, gave us the radio and, um, you know, just kick the snakes off your legs, no dramas. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I sort of got my first little taste of it and <laughs> went on to uni and, um, you know, really didn't think too much of it. Um, had a, a bit of an avid diver, scuba diver. I um, okay. about sort of 17, 18 at the time and went out with a couple of cowboy divers and um, – we don't know if you know much about diving, but we did a reverse profile. So accidentally had a second dive deeper than the first dive, which is a big no-no. And uh, the skipper of the boat um, came up pretty pretty crook. He was, um, was narked. Um, so I had to clip them together and swim back to the boat. And we, drift, we drifted a long, 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 long way away. So swam back to the boat and um, had to go and find them in the ocean. So it was oh, a bit of a guess. solo search and rescue effort, um, looking for what are they had, super sausages, just um, basically uh, Aaron standing up in an orange wow. jumper, it's an inflatable tube. And uh, I didn't have any navigational boat skills, but sort of kept an island in the background. Go, okay, well, if I don't see that anymore, I'm, I'm in big trouble. So we we'll are quite the way out to sea. And uh, yeah, got back to the boat, pulled up the anchors. And after about half an hour, I, I found those guys. So that gave me another little bit of a taste, but again, just, just carried on with life. And it um, wasn't until about six years ago, I was up in North Queensland in Bowen mm-hmm. and decided to join uh, local SES up there, um, and then relocated to Winch And I would definitely be lying if I wasn't influenced by my partner, who's been a member for, what, 16, 17 years? Oh,
0: to wow. come Incredible. on down,
2: come and have a play. And, um, and, and that's basically where it all, all unfolded. The skills really started to 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 get learnt and um and get put into practice which is probably the most important thing mm.
0: oh, that's so your partner's involved as well
2: yep yeah she's uh she's our commander local commander one of the local commanders so yeah she's um the boss lady uh,
1: What? tell <laughs> me a bit about that middle. that sounds interesting yeah uh, what's that kind of dynamic like uh,
2: um it's good she's a very strong assertive woman. Um, we're quite lucky in our unit to have a lot of strong women. Yeah, um, half of our management team is actually women. Um, wow. So it's good we can bounce a lot of ideas off together um, <laughs> when we get home. That's it. SES stays okay. out, out the door even though we've you know called out a couple of times a week. Um, sure we can we can leave it at the door but she's uh, also has her full-time job as well. Yeah. Um, Self-employed, so she has got a lot of time to um, go to jobs uh, as well as doing her controlling or commanding um, job. And she's a bit of a legend.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Well, maybe we'll
0: have to uh, hit her up
1: Interview her. in the future yeah. mm. <laughs> one of these times. Mm.
0: That sounds great. Mate, you guys must pass like ships in the night with all your, sometimes, your three, sometimes four jobs. Do. and. we uh, Look, women can multitask, as they say. I don't...
2: And, yeah, we don't always um, attend the same jobs either. I mean, if I'm at work, she'll go to a job or Mm, she's had a big day and four o'clock in the morning we have a a road crash rescue. um, I'll attend. So it's not not always um, together, which I think is good. Um, But then in saying that, some of the jobs we have been to together, we can both have that debriefing process at Mm. home after our... uh, critical debrief at the job so mm. it's good having someone in your family or in your household that knows exactly what it's like to attend some of these jobs yeah. and be able to carry each other through that rather than um, not having that support network at home I think
0: I mm. can only imagine yeah so Erin this this year I mean for everyone has been a strange one but for you in particular you were involved in the rescue effort in the notorious bushfires in Australia that seems like last century now that COVID Does. swept in and you had you were involved in uh, flood rescue as well pretty much from bushfires to floods and then COVID um, can you tell us a bit about your involvement uh, this year and particularly the the bushfires?
2: Sure yep so we um we're assisting fire and rescue and the rural fire is um not definitely not in their front line fighting the fires, that's not our primary role, but um giving them support, running out food and water, uh blocking off roads, um doing a lot of door knocking for evacuations. Um it was a it was a pretty horrific time. Um I think half of the East Coast did suffer at that stage. Um it was like living in Armageddon for, mm. for many, many months. Um and it was yeah it was everybody was affected and that's the thing with natural disasters um i grew up with a lot of cyclones um in western australia but when everyone's affected including the volunteers it's it just shows i guess that dedication and uniqueness of of, of all volunteers and all spectrums just taking their shirts off their back to help each other out so it was it's quite um it, it was good to be able to help where you could um and, and assist the, the RFS and, and the Fire and Rescue were just absolutely getting inundated at the time.
0: Is it scary? Does there, is there an element of fear, um, apprehension for you? I know you've been doing it for a number of years now, but um, what did, what goes on in your mind when you're going out and, and participating in this sort of rescue effort on this scale?
2: When it was due with the fires, um, we went out to... Um, between Exeter and Bundanoon, which is uh, where it skipped from the Karawong fires over um, to create the Morton fires, um, we were standing in embers and ashes. And to tell you the truth, my eyes were like saucers. Um, and we're ready to get out there as soon as we're told to get out. So that uh, because we weren't, we're not trained in that that situation. It was very overwhelming. Um, we had zero visibility. So yeah, it was it was scary. Um, but again, just just doing what we could do to. To help out at that time, so um, yeah, be absolutely lying if you say you know not terrified sometimes. But they like the old analogy, um, the duck duck legs underwater. They're composed, you know, head on the shoulders. There, just um, trying to keep everyone else as calm as possible whilst attending the rescues. But uh, all the other rescues. Um, yeah you do when you start in your greenhorn it's and same with uh in first aid you're you're quite nervous um but as you develop and um continue training you can only take yourself back into the compound um into that training role and say look this is exactly what we've trained for this is no different well it's very different to the training itself but we've trained for this we can do this we actually haven't put this person in the situation they've Put themselves into the situation. We're here purely to help.
1: Wow. So, you you just alluded to you know there's the the the, the younguns in the group, the greenhorns I think you called them. Is there like is there a sense of um, you know camaraderie um, specific to the SES that you you ex- experience in your in your group?
2: Absolutely. We're a very very tight knit group. Um, we experienced some traumatic things together. Um, with our one of our younger members at the moment, we had a, a very traumatic um, rescue about th- just just before we came down to the second workshop. And I pulled him aside and um, had a bit of a chat. I said, "Look, this is what we're facing. We are facing a fatality here. It's not about us. It's about him right now and being professional and going into this approach. So, if you're not comfortable with it, it's fine. You can." stand back. You can only be actively as involved as you need to be. We are volunteers. We're not forced into doing anything that we cannot or do not feel comfortable doing. Um, so that was a really interesting chat that I did have with um, the young guy and he was very thankful for that chat afterwards. So, but we do protect each other. Um, like I said, we're very close, close knit unit. And that was another thing that I mentioned to him. The reason why we are close is because we do go through this stuff together. And we have to use each other's as bouncing boards to debrief and keep a very solid eye on each other for any, any post-traumatic stress that may occur. And also implement the fact that it's okay to, to not be okay.
0: Right, yeah, totally. It strikes me as this sort of common camaraderie um, in a lot of the emergency services, mm-hmm. whether it be the paramedics, fireys, Um, there's this extra level of team, Mm. uh, community, building lifelong family, building lifelong friends, because you are going into, you know, um, going into battle, going into battle, um, you've got each other's backs. And that is a special thing about this industry. Yeah. And I would understand that, um, being involved in the SES would really give you a great taste of, or more than a taste, uh, of what that. Element is like if you are considering maybe going further into a profession in this industry. So yeah, yeah, and you have a bit of fun too, right? It's another. Of course,
2: uh, yeah. We, uh, we we get an animal rescue or a bird stuck up a tree rescue or a cat up a tree. It's um we definitely it, it's a positive outcome. We we have a bit of fun with it. Um, the other night did a gain entry. Um, someone locked themselves out of the house. Huh. We just popped open a window. And, you know, we do got to have a bit of a light lighthearted, um, sometimes a bit of dark humour, but a lot of times a bit of dark humour, but sure. you need to have a laugh when it's appropriate for sure.
1: And you even have like, uh, is it radio call? You, you mentioned earlier radio call signs when we were chatting before. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what's, what's, what's
2: that? Okay. So if I was to get called out right now, uh-huh. um, we'd jump on the radio and speak to State Operations Centre. We call yep. it the sock, and um, we're just communicating the fact that I'll uh, say I'm Windy Cariby, nine two zero, proceeding to the shed to pick up Windy Cariby four six. We'll call on then, and then from there, my call sign will change to Windy Cariby four six. The vehicle I'm driving, yeah, and it will be a change from proceeding to responding. Um, so yeah, it's just a communication so that the State Rescue Board, along with the other emergency services, know that we are actually proceeding or responding to that situation.
0: Now, I'd love to get into some, maybe some specific moments. Mm. Um, And you mentioned before, of course, you know, the overwhelming feeling uh, in uh, relation to the the bushfires. Has there been, I'm sure, things don't always go Mm -hmm. right Has there been a moment that you can think of that comes to mind where things didn't go right? Maybe you were overwhelmed, maybe mistakes were made and and, and how did that play out?
2: Absolutely. We're all human. Um, We're programmed to make mistakes. Um, Like I think I mentioned earlier, um, we have to have that mindset that we didn't cause the accident. Um, We weren't the reason why this person has, has wrapped their vehicle around a pole or gone down an embankment or ended up in the predicament that they're in so you have to disconnect somewhat to to that aspect Um, every rescue can be different some of them are incredibly technical Uh, some of them are incredibly simple when you are faced across um, a fatality and someone is trapped by confinement or compression or mostly compression and you cannot get them out in time and and they 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 pass away while you're actively trying to to do that rescue that that sucks mm. it, it's definitely really hard but again pulling yourself back and going look we did what we could do the ambos have done what they could do the fire is they're doing what they could do um you really have to have that sense of i guess maturity and the fact that you, uh, you have to be proud of the fact you gave it a go mm. you gave it a red hot crack and hope to think that Families and friends and um, everyone associated to that that person would appreciate that. And if I was in the same predicament and it was me, then I'd be hoping that everyone was giving a red hot crack 100% of their effort. So, yeah, definitely it it hurts and it's, it will never stop hurting. Um, but at the same time, and I can't not reiterate, it wasn't our doing um, mm. putting that person in that situation. So... I guess similar to a uh, a medical situation, if you succumb to that, you're not the reason why that person's in a medical situation. you can only do what you can to help them right. better that situation.
1: I mean, I could only imagine wishing you could just do more than you're able to actually do in a situation and 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 like you said, it's probably really important in those moments to have someone to kind of Mm. debrief with you and and, and definitely yeah
2: that's that again brings us close together um even with myself and my my partner we've experienced different rescues um Mm. throughout our careers um but and what i've seen she hasn't seen what she's seen i haven't seen and you you wouldn't want to wish that upon anybody but at the end of the day we are there to help each other through it
1: is there a situation that occurred that you felt a real sense of pride in in the pride. job and the role that you played? Can you think of a specific a specific situation?
2: Um, okay, I guess a lot of them you have a sense of pride. Um, any success, successful outcome, a successful extrication, um, anything at all. I mean, even storm jobs, you have a huge sense of pride just helping the community. Um, if it's putting a bucket under a, a leaking roof and you know, making a relief hole. Um, doing that little bit of extra for, s- so, you know, the mature members of the public, um, you definitely have that pride and that camaraderie and, um, you know, of helping and just giving back to the community. So it doesn't have to be rescue related. Um, we can be like basically, even in the fire situation, we were out on the highway running bottles of water to people as they'd uh, blocked the roads. Mm. Um, and it was, it was just nice to be able to, to give back. Um, yeah to just help out so mm. that, that is a huge sense of pride it's a real feel good
0: Yeah, is that the buzz is that the drug that keeps you you know going back for more is that why you do what you do
2: yeah I guess so um, def- I mean you wouldn't be in a voluntary situation um, of, of any kind if you didn't want to help out um, and try and give back to the community um, yeah, you can't, you can't be self, uh, selfish, you have to be really quite selfless. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a buzz, helping out people and you get all simple rescues to the complex rescues. If it's, you get a smile on the face of someone at the end of the day, it's, it, 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 it gets to your heart. It's, it's beautiful.
0: It's awesome thing about humans. Um, when we help each other, whether it be a drink of water or a complex situation, <laughs> like you just said, if I can pro- help to produce a smile on somebody else's face, yeah, it's com- so satisfying, right? right? Yeah, and I think we do obviously- a
2: couple of um, bush searches in the evenings. Um, we're tourists down here for when it's beautiful weather. Uh, we've got some amazing bush walks, um, waterfalls, and canyons that yeah. uh, people go out in the afternoon. You know, a pair of shorts, singlet, off they go, and the temperature plummets, gets dark quickly, and they're lost. And um, Going out, you know, with your little glow sticks or whatever, um, with with the police intel locating the people and just seeing the the elation, the smiles on their face when they are in in perfectly good health, They've done done the right thing by staying in one spot, um, and have been located and walking them out. Um, yeah, there's definitely you know you can feel you can feel the 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 gratitude, um, and it's reciprocated both ways. Mm.
1: If someone was to get involved in the SES, if someone's listening right now, thinking, "Wow, this sounds like a, a great pathway for me," um, really interested. I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm super interested. I'm um, just hearing about what you're doing. What what qualifications? What skills? What would you tell them um, in in and for them to get involved? What would they need to do?
2: Open mind. Mm-hmm. Um, bit of sense of self-maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, no real prior experience is required really? um, because everything is learnt as soon as you walk into that door. Not to say that any prior skills aren't adva- ad- advantageous at all Yeah, um, because, of course, they are and they can be drawn across um, into specific areas of um, SES, including, you know, your land search or your vertical rescue um, operations, uh, storm work, so if you've got a roofer or a carpenter, well, sweet ass, <laughs> you've got someone that's you know very going to be very, very good at um, plugging a hole or mm-hmm. um, bunting up a garage that someone's accidentally drove through. Um, so And there's so many different roles as well where you don't have to be actively out um, in the storms or um, in a, an emergency situation. There's logistics, there's um, computer operations, um, social media outlets. Um, this, this is just so diverse.
1: Yeah. Well, I can barely. And do use... as
2: much or as little as you like,
1: basically. <laughs> right. Well, I can barely use duct tape or WD forty, but I'm sure I could probably learn some of those skills um, sure. as we go along. But what about some yeah. of the the softer skills? What about the things that um, someone kind of needs to be like? If they can't handle blood or gore or or get scared easy, what what are some of the things that they would need to be prepared to to yeah. kind of you know, have in order to, okay. to kind of do your role. What would you say? That? Okay.
2: So generally speaking, the, the average member does not go straight into rescue. They okay. they we've got a sequence. Uh, um. So we do things like radio communications. Um, you have to do your inductions, of course. Uh, yada yada. Um, you go through a storm. Um, you do your participating in a, a rescue operation. Um, and slowly, go go up until you can get into uh, a rescue role. Sure. Um, again, I've mentioned it. No no stage whatsoever is someone forced into a situation that they are not comfortable with. So Mm. we've had in the past members that are not comfortable with fatalities in rescue. That's fine. You can run the tool dump. Mm. You can um, pass something else over here. You can go to the other side of the vehicle. You can work somewhere else. You can sign off and go home if you like. So nobody is pushed into a situation where they are totally uncomfortable with, and that's just not fair from a, a voluntary organisation. Mm. But at the same time, if um, we we are responding and you're generally, sometimes maybe first to the scene before ambulance or um other emergency services, uh, you really can't hide from that either. So you wow. do need to be somewhat prepared, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if the rest of your crew arrives and you openly, honestly say to your team leader, i'm not comfortable with this you're not going to be forced to touch that blood or deal with it that that you know smell or sight mm-hmm. whatever it may be and and every anybody can be triggered by absolutely anything so um, if it might be an animal rescue and you know we all tend to get really quite um emotional about animal rescues whether or not has um that the animal successfully been recovered or not it's a bit more of a tearjerker than um than people to tell you the truth. And I know Christy would um, <laughs> resonate with that one quite loud and clear with the, the animal lovers and Sarah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, blood, blood, guts, gore, if you're not up for it, you don't have to. There are other parts of rescue that you can attend, including your land searches and, um, mm. yeah, your yeah, industrial rescues so it's, and, and all else. So. It's a good
1: way to get your feet wet and without mm. kind of having the commitment um forced upon you to yeah. Thing, yeah
2: and you never know at what stage someone might you know their cut might just just get to that full mark and that's it they're done first yeah. three jobs i went to were fatalities and i thought oh shit what have i signed myself up for yeah. um and then it all sort of smoothed out so i was a uh, uh, me and another another bloke that's uh, did our training at the same time a couple of us um just yeah we were like the albatross, um, which we, we there's one of the nicknames here. You get an albatross award at the end of each year um, if you're known to cause or um, not not it's in, more indirectly cause a lot of shit jobs to come through. So right. you know you're the bad luck. Right. Um, yeah. So we had a run of bad luck there for a while. I didn't get the albatross award thankfully, but um, yeah, it was. What are you doing here again? Oh, another fatality. Wow, Good a, on you. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, that was very much eye-opening. Um, it's one of those jobs I did attend. I was first at the scene and um, he'd been – the car was upturned. Um, the yeah. paramedics were on scene. Um, so I was first on scene from a rescue point of view and they they called it a fatality. Um, they just wanted us to check inside the back of the vehicle to make sure there were no other uh, occupants um, before the rest of my team arrived. So, yeah, and then, then things started to – sort of the rest of the rescues that followed on to that were actual, you know, metal relocations and extrications. So (laughs) finally we had life.
0: Yeah. uh, So how about on the other end of the scale, if I'm a medical professional or a paramedic, are there more advanced skills that the SES can, uh, that look for and can really utilise?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like I mentioned there, the carpenter or the roofer on the storm jobs, um, they, yeah, it's definitely to have that advantage, especially with the internal training side of things um, and perhaps highlighting um, or tweaking things that we might be doing slight, or we could be doing better, probably would be a bit better way of saying it. So definitely having someone with um, prior experience in, in any of those fields, um, we can take on board and, and it's gonna be an attribute, absolutely.
0: And do you have um, those people in your team at the moment?
2: yeah we do we've um got a couple of paramedics a um, couple are almost ready to retire um, we've we've got a couple of medics in there we've got um, a plethora of different um, from carpenters to electricians mm. um, and everyone um, has their your own know, speciality which is, is fantastic yeah you, know, you can't know everything um, all the time and yeah, it's definitely used. So I, I get uh, lumped inside the vehicle a lot of the time um, if someone's trapped by compression or confinement um, to utilise my, my memetic skills um, and assisting the ambulances on jobs. So at uh, that end, I'm quite small and they always stick the smallest person in the smallest hole. Um, so yeah, we definitely try and utilise strengths and weaknesses.
0: Awesome. So... Erin, um, you also, you mentioned earlier that you did some first aid training and understand you've got multiple casual roles that I'm thinking that maybe your SES um, involvement has helped to develop you in, in those ways as a, uh, you know, you're not paid by the SES, but there's other career um, avenues that you've gone down maybe because of your interest and involvement with the SES. Um, yep. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. I think the biggest thing I've learned is um, how to get out of the comfort zone uh, or getting out of the comfort zone, I find I, I excel. Um, so things like maybe thinking before I joined rescue, am I mentally uh, ready to, to face some of these traumas that I might face? Uh, I didn't think I was. Um, but they said, you know, come and do the training anyway. We'll, we'll play it out. You're not forced to do anything you're, you're uncomfortable with. Um, but you, you learn uh, to adapt and you learn those skills along the way. So there's, there's me five years ago thinking, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be my cup of tea, to now five years later going full-blown into Diploma of Paramedical Science, um, leading senior operator, rescue, deputy rescue officer in SES. So, um, you know, you need to be thrust into that, the situation before you can say, yeah, or no, it's not for me. And it gives you that experience.
0: She mentioned comfort zone Mm. and um, that's such a great um, skill. Uh, Maybe a bit of insight into uh, Tim and my um, daily program. Our kind of putting ourselves out of our comfort zone is a daily ice bath in the (laughs) morning. It's not a uh, private ice bath it's a public one right We don't just bathe together every morning but um, in a 10 degree pool right a 10 degree pool you you get that aspect of and this is kind of why we, we do it sort of mentally it's a good um, uh, it's good for recovery and stuff for the training as well um, but it is practicing putting yourself out of a comfort zone and learning that okay something that seemed daunting, for me to start with, if I put myself in that in those positions, um, you soon get realise that hey, I can do this, and I'm doing it, and yep. it's it's serving you so well for even other areas in your life, stepping into other things, um, yep. and that would strike me as a great, fantastic, like invaluable benefit of being involved. With the Definitely. Like when I
2: when I first started um, teaching, I was petrified. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't think I, oh, I didn't know, I'd never, never really done a lot of teaching before. I've always been the student. And um, yeah, I was, I was packing my bags. So I had to face, I think the first teaching job I did was one of the local high schools and there was uh, 120 teachers um we we broke off into four different groups or five different groups and um did a round robin training which was fantastic but uh i think um someone some wise person once told me about the the butterflies and flying formation um and i've always held on to that as well as long as you've got those butterflies and you teach them to fly in formation Mm -hmm. um you've got the passion there uh once when you lose those butterflies maybe it's time to start moving on and um doing something different you need to have that sense of of um getting thrown out of your comfort zone and, and also wanting to to do a really good job and not not fail your students so yeah that was the biggest thing one of the biggest things for me was um making sure i came across as a professional in a professional manner um and not just faking it till i could make it mm. um but after the first couple of, and even go and do a, a class now you're going to get nervous I'm um, going to get those butterflies. You break the ice, everyone breaks the ice and it's smooth sailing from then on in. So I guess the involvement with SES and uh, the medic work mm. did come together with that confidence to be able to then go, hey, you know what, I can teach these skills and I can use my, exam- or my previous experience to draw into the classroom situation. So, yeah, gone away from that textbook teaching, this is what I'm teaching you and this is why.
1: Excellent. I love the way you're able to just kind of tie that all in and you keep yourself pretty busy uh, by the sounds of it. And you also have a personal initiative on the side that you're passionate about. I understand it's called Get Ready Girls. Uh, how did that come about? And tell me a bit more about yeah, that right. initiative. Yeah, right,
2: yeah. So one of our neighbouring units, Kaima unit, um, great, great bunch of guys down there, also a rescue unit. Um, the girls of their unit decided to run a Get Ready Girls campaign. And this was all about getting the women in the community engaged in a confident um, and trusting setting to be able to learn basic skills like how to fill a sandbag, how Hmm. to divert water, um, how to do basic first aid if you you were to unfortunately um, be involved or rock up to a road crash rescue, um, or basic first aid for your family, um, how to climb a ladder. So, so just such basic, simple things that generally um, you leave to the man of the house or get <laughs> someone else to do. So it was empowering, uh, all about empowering the local women to to do things for themselves and upskill. So they they ran this, and um, it was quite successful. Um, we had a go. We tweaked ho- tweaked a couple of um, things, and it was the women in the unit after we'd gained funding mm. uh, that ran. The second initiative up in the Windsor Caribbean, I think we had about between 50 and 60 women on our first uh, wow. launch. And we gave that. them food and gave them a little, you know, little um, storm kit so they had to, you know, tarp, a little mm. note of what to take if you go bushwalking, what to take if, you know, an emergency response kit, if you have to evacuate your house, take your medications and your dog's medications and your kid's medications, all that sort of stuff, passport, ID um we had uh local oh sorry our state controller come up um or commander um we had a couple of you know hot hobnob wigs from town um <laughs> come in as well and i think that was about three years ago and it went really well we had a really good we had a waiting list um wow. for people to, to come in on the next one so we run it and each time we run it it seems to be get bigger and better and it's uh, the, the biggest feedback we get is that the ladies and the women of the community do have that empowerment, and given that they're taught by women mm. in the unit um, and in that, like I said, that comfortable and non-judgmental way, um, it, they just they just love it, thrive it, and then want to come back and bring their girlfriends or their, their daughters next time. So it's it's really really handy. And then we've had uh, members join from participating at the Get Ready Girls campaign, so, yeah.
1: Did you get any blokes trying to kind of sneak their way in? I know all the the extra jobs my wife asked me to do and (laughs) I could probably do a little bit of that. Why
2: can't we run a men's Get Ready men's campaign? Um, They they did try it. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately.
1: Too much pride.
2: (laughs) I'll (laughs) let you say that. (laughs) The um, men... uh, were really keen. I mean if they want to do that they could uh, probably come and join SES if they wanted to. Um, but I, I just did the, the format didn't quite lie out lay out for the men. totally. Um, not to say in the future they can't do it. Um, but for the women of, of, of our um, oh, little big community it was it was fantastic. We actually had a local representative come in um, whose name has just disappeared off me and she gave a motivational wow. talk um uh, mel Pereira, the blind um olympic skier
1: oh wow wow
2: yeah she came down and gave a motivational speech and we all had the tingles before we got engaged in um, our activities it was it was fantastic wow. so she's a a uh, blind olympic skier um she does the downhill speed skiing. goodness and you know if if you're talking about throwing yourself out of your comfort zone and yeah. um trying to achieve something, if, if the woman of, of that caliber can stand up in the classroom and go, hey, I can do it, you guys can do it, and it was, I mean, even now, just getting the tingles, it was pretty awesome.
1: Wow, you're a remarkable woman, it sounds mm. exciting, Like all the stuff that you're getting um, involved in, thank you so much for serving the community the way you do, and it's, yeah. just keep
0: going, it's, it's exciting to hear it. Well, Aaron, it's been such a delight and an honour to have you on uh, the podcast today. Thanks so much again. Is there any last remarks you'd have for our, our listeners?
2: Um, thanks for having us, guys. And, yeah, I mean, come on board um, and become one of those ordinary people that do those extraordinary things.
0: That's a great way to end it. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Prime example. And thank you so much.
2: No worries, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Changing Lives, brought to you by Australian Paramedical College. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider rating
1: it, leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to stay
0: tuned for all future episodes. Did you know we're also on YouTube? Search for Changing Lives Podcast and you can watch our episodes in HD video, see the studio and put a face to a name. Speaking of studios, this podcast was filmed, recorded,
1: and produced by Make Media Studios. Special thanks to our audiovisual
0: engineer and editor, Jose Biotto. And as always, it has been great to be with you. Until next time, don't stop changing lives.